Welcome to the Generous Business Owner Podcast, where business owners gain inspiration and encouragement to live a legacy, not just leave one. And now your hosts, Jeff Thomas, Alan Barnhart, and Jeff Rutt. Welcome, everyone, to the Generous Business Owner Podcast. My name's Jeff Thomas, one of the co-hosts. We have one of our other co-hosts with us today, Jeff Rutt. Say hello, Jeff. Hello, everyone. And we also have a very special guest this week, David Hodges. David is the chairman and CEO of, get this, Hodges Management Group. Uh, That gives you a little clue about his uh, little empire, but we're going to get into this with David. David, thanks for being with us on the program today. Great to be with you both. Thanks so much for the invitation. And uh, David, I assume that you are coming to us from Jacksonville, Florida today. Is that true? That is correct. I am in Jacksonville. All right. Well, usually the way we try to start this podcast is just get a little background, sort of give the listeners a little picture of uh, where you grew up, what your family was like, that kind of thing. You mind sharing with that? Sure, happy to. I grew up actually in Jacksonville. I'm okay. I'm a fourth generation uh, in Jacksonville. We're very few of us here that actually are from here. Uh, so I am from here. Grew up on the west side in Jacksonville, and uh, I tell people that they, today they call it lower middle income uh, family. It was just really dirt poor when we grew up. There wasn't a lot uh, a lot of excess, but uh, a loving family, loving mom and dad that uh, mom was a school teacher dad was in business for himself and and uh, you know we had all we needed we didn't know anything i didn't realize i didn't have a whole lot until i went to a private school and my buddy's uh room was bigger than my whole house so i i then i figured out maybe there's a different world out there but we were always in church every sunday and faithful parents that uh, brought us up in a christian home and and exposed to the gospel early and in life. So I'm, I wouldn't trade any of it for the world because I tell people today, that's where, that's where you learn grit. And it, it's, it was one of the greatest, uh, childhoods you could ask for was just a, a loving family with parents, grandparents, everybody here in town. And just, uh, really blessed to be, you know, to be, um, gifted with that. How many siblings do you have? I've got two younger brothers. My middle brother, Dan actually is our president CEO of the dealership group. Uh, he's been working with me for the last 20 plus years. And the young, youngest brother, Doug, is in Orlando. He's the, um, uh, the smartest one of the bunch and got a master's in counseling and has done that in, in ministry for a while and uh, now doing it in the, um, in the real world, so to speak, down in Orlando. Nice. And so I think you gave us a little clue about the business you're in. Uh, but what, what kind of business was your uh, dad in? My dad was actually in the cabinet business. He was in kitchen cabinets and, you know, did that forever. And then as we started coming up and playing sports, he wanted more control of a schedule and moved into private investigators. So not quite Magnum PI, but um, I think he did a lot of collections, things like that. So not quite as, uh, I guess, as nice as you would see on TV. A lot of, a lot of grunt work on that, but that's, uh, that's, what, that's what dad was into. That sounds like pretty hard work to me. It is. He, I think that the ultimate goal was he wanted to watch us all play, play ball, play baseball, and that gave him the flexibility, flexibility. to work the schedule. And, yeah. Makes sense. And then where did you go off to uh, college? You know, I actually came out of high school in my church youth group 
I was a baseball player and wanted to play. That's that was plan A, B, and C was to play in the big leagues. There was no other other uh, path. But got really connected in a youth group with a path, youth pastor that was very engaging and felt like I might be called to ministry. So I went was going to walk away from baseball. And I went for a semester out to a small Bible college in Springfield, Missouri called Baptist Bible College and literally got out of a vehicle, stepped foot on the ground and like, I am not supposed to be here. I am not called to ministry, but I said, you know, I'm going to stay for at least a semester in case it's just me being homesick. So I did. And a semester later, it was still pretty evident that I would, was not going to, uh, you know, that, that, that wasn't God's call at that point in my life. So I uh, came back home and was trying to play baseball at the University of North Florida and got injured. So I wanted to be a lawyer then. So I was going to save up money to, to uh, go to law school. So I had a lawn business for a little while and cut yards and had a small crew that worked for me and then said, well, I got to make more money than this. And, and so I literally just started walking up and down the street in Jacksonville on the west side called Cassett. I was 18, 19 years old, looking for an application to sell cars. And before that, I had started a little company. You can call it company, I'm air quote company, but I would negotiate people's uh, car deals for them for 10% of the savings. And mm. I think I did, I did two or three deals, mainly with um, Duval Honda, where they were on the other end. And you know, they started not to give me the time of day, but then my, my client said, no, you're going to deal with him, not me. So at the end of it, they said, you ought to try to get in this business. And I, so I started down one of the street, putting applications in, and Duval Honda was the only one that would even call me back. I was, I think it was 18 at the time, getting ready to turn 19, and probably looked like I was 14. So I was um, blessed to land there, got a couple of interviews, and for whatever reason, they hired me and uh, let, me, let me go to work. Wow. Wow. David, tell me more about that. That's fascinating that you, so tell me, how did that relationship develop with Duval Honda? You just showed up there and started negotiating deals for folks buying cars or you, you were connected to the buyers first and then ended up at Duval? For the buyers first and then walked into the store and started trying to work, you know, work on the customer side of negotiating the car deal for him. So it was, um, you know, looking back, you know, only an 18 year old thinks that's a business plan that's sustainable, right? With uh, all the things that were coming, but they did get me interested enough in the business to try to do that, to save up money to go to, you know, I want to be a lawyer. And, uh, well, that was whatever, 30, 30 something years ago now that, that that process started. So that's how I started in the car business. They hired me, put me on and, you know, very little training and it was the you know i think 1991 so it was rough and tumble business and i was just you know scrapping and fighting and trying to figure out how to make a living and you know it, it god's hand's been on my career there and, and everything from day one so i was blessed to see some success early and about eight months in i was saw the finance guys i said well that's a pretty interesting job they just sit in the office all day i do all the work i bring in the deals and they they, they get, somehow I get paid too. So how do I get to do that? So talked to one of the guys there and they said, Hey, teach me what you do. And, and so I was, I was literally closing finance deals, not getting paid for it while I was supposed to be selling cars. And, you know, ended up the general manager's like, Hey, 
why are you, why is your sales down? I'm like, well, I'm spending a lot of time in finance. He goes, doing what? I said, closing finance deal. Like, that's Frank's job. Why are you doing Frank's job for him? I'm like, I, I just want to learn. And so I ended up getting to go to finance school and become a finance manager and, and then kind of ran the gamut with that company. I was there 25 years. Oh, wow. um, and my, the CEO of the company uh, was a gentleman named Tip Graham. His father-in-law, Walter McRae, was you know one of the founders, Scott McRae, you know, two gentlemen, Jack Scott, Walter McRae. And Tip, I went, I graduated from Episcopal High School here in Jacksonville, now called Episcopal School of Jacksonville. Tip was on the board there, school uh, of the school, his children I went to school there. So he just had an interest in me. I just think it's a divine appointment that he started kind of watching what I was doing. And pretty soon I got a call, hey, you need to go meet with, with Tip. He wants to see you. And so I started going over and we met every Tuesday for years and years. But it, I think the first few years was just him getting to know me. And uh, throughout that time, I would be, you know, promoted to different jobs, different responsibilities and just, you know, working, working like I only, you know, only one way, just go to work early, stay long. And, and uh, if it's good, you want to be there because it's really good. If it's bad, you want to be there because you want to, you know, try to help fix it. So throughout those years began to pour into me and and throughout this time I had dropped out of school I was at, at UNF and had a professor I think my second year sophomore year in business class you know he's like hey if you come out with an undergrad degree you can make x and if you get a master's degree you can make x plus 30 percent and you know I was young and arrogant too arrogant and I just raised my hand I said well what if you're already making like twice that right now why do I need to stand in his class and get his degree and he's like well what what business are you in i said i'm in the car business that's not a real job so i followed my books up and literally walked out of the classroom i said well the paychecks are real and it, it it's been working so far i don't understand why i need to be here so i um as part of as i was going through the company tip tip started to communicate with me and said, hey i'd really like you to run the company one day and the the skeptic in me said well He's just trying to get me not to leave because at that point there was a lot of people that were recruiting public company reviewers coming on board and I was getting some interest and and I said, Okay, yeah, that sounds great. And he says, Well, I, I really need you to finish your degree to get to be able to run the company. You need to have a four year degree. And I said, Okay, let me see what I can do. And I my brother at the time was going to Liberty and knew Dr. Falwell. And I said, Man, is there any way that will give me like a, you know, experience credits for what I'm doing? Because it's, you know, there's gotta be some way to exempt some of these classes. And I was running our Acura store at the time as a general manager and got a phone call, you know, um, from my assistant. She said, Hey, you've got Jerry Falwell at line three. And I'm like, yeah, <laughs> sure. Sure. I do. Yeah. Let me see which one of my, because we had a Lamborghini franchise. So I had buddies all over town that would claim to be celebrities acting like they were buying Lamborghinis and just, you know, pull the wool over my eyes. So I pick up the phone and when you hear that booming voice, there was like, there's nobody that can imitate that voice. And I'm like, Whoa. And he was very gracious said, Hey, I'd like to get you with one of our, our business folks and, and, uh, see if we can help you here. And we, we want you to, we want you to graduate from Liberty. So they did, they gave me a couple of credits and I, I was one of the early guys on what they call Liberty school of lifelong learning, Russell, and I uh, did my undergrad degree, did two and a half years in about uh, 14 months, got the degree and then told tip, Hey, I'm, uh, I, I've got my four year degree, you know, Thanks for pushing me. And he looks at me just without even batting eyes. Says, "Where are you gonna get your master's?" And I'm like, "What master's degree? I don't think that that was part of the deal." And he goes, "Well, you got this far. You might as well go ahead and get a master." 
a master's selected new undergrad. So I, uh, I enrolled in Jacksonville University and did an MBA in about 13 or 14 months. And, and he lived up to his word. I was the CEO for 12 or 13 years. I ended up buying into the company, owned up to 20% at one point, and just had a tremendous career. He was a mentor to me. And you know, we actually had his children in the business. And stop me if I'm going too far. You guys let me know if any you, you want to break in and ask any questions. No, well, I just went just for clarification. So this is still with the Honda dealership or what other, what other uh, lines of cars were you working with at that during that time? Yeah, it's a, it was a, this is a hundred year old family business. So it was a, it was a, um, at one point close to a billion in revenue. We had as many as 12 dealerships. Honda was where I started, but then went to the Ac- Duval Acura. Then we bought a Hyundai store up in Charlotte. I was oversight with that Ford store in Jacksonville. I came back and run that. We had Three stores in the Tampa market, uh, Tampa Hogland, um, Brandon, Honda, and then Countryside Ford that ultimately had responsibility for. We had a subprime finance company, uh, U.S. Auto Credit, a vertically integrated, I guess you would call it a supply company that handled uh, upfitting police cars that we bought you know, during my tenure, you know, upfitting cars all over the country now. So yeah, very diversified, you know, big, big business. And uh you know, private, family-owned. No, it had an outside advisor, but no real board of directors like we typically have. But there was a, it was a lot of family dynamic. That's awesome. So before you go further, uh, something that seems like it's it's very consistent. There's a theme uh, through a lot of our guests that the, this business sense, this uh, entrepreneur sense, starts very young. For you, you started at. Uh, I, I'm not even sure if this was a class being a buyer's agent for cars, uh, but you started a whole a whole uh, class of your own and then ended up being uh, touch, you know, hit on the shoulder to be the next CEO of this company. What do you think? At, so I think some of those traits were probably evident at 18 and probably also when you picked up your books and walked out of that class, which by the way, sounds like a good storyline for a movie. What do you think, Jeff? Absolutely. Um, but, yeah. <laughs> but what do you think in your early years, uh, kind of developed that and uh god has obviously blessed it and used it tremendously and we're going to hear more about that going forward but i'd love to just hear your thoughts on you know where do you think that was born where do you think that developed from i believe god gifts us all and i didn't really understand it as i was going through it in fact when i started gaining success in the dealerships and really getting promoted i was working a lot I, I really had the thought that, man, is this, is this Satan trying to keep me from the ministry? Am I really meant to be in ministry? Is God calling me out of this thing? And, and is this, is this a, you know, like a head fake? Am I, am I not where I'm supposed to be? And I was really struggling with that until I, at the time I was going to a First Baptist Church here in Jacksonville and Dr. Vines, Jerry Vines was a pastor. And I, I went and met with him. I'm like, listen, here's what I'm struggling with. I thought I was called to ministry, you know, back out of high school. And then I've, join this job and it's like going gangbusters and there's no reason for me to be where I'm at um, other than there's something else at play. And, you know, what do you think? And so he was very gracious and asked me a bunch of questions. And at the end, it was really kind of a defining moment for me because he said, are you happy? Do you like what you do? I said, yeah, I love it. I love going in every day. I love, you know, creating value and all the things that the business is. He said, let me just tell you, if you're called to be a full-time pastor 
you will be miserable doing anything else. So here's what I will tell you. The Sunday school class that you teach in this church is bigger than the most churches in the country. So you are in ministry. You just happen to be in ministry and business. So you just need to understand that God has got you in ministry. Just he's gifted you to do this and not shy away from it, but embrace it. And it was like the clarity bell went off like, okay, this is okay to do. I can run after this and do it with, you know, integrity, knowing that ultimately God's gifted me this way, but understanding that I'm a steward of these resources. Give me, you know, pluses and minuses, but in the end, he's the one doing it and I'm the one that needs to be the steward of what he provides. So, wow. I, I guess the traits were there early. We grew up with not a lot. You know, we had to, we had to, I wanted a new baseball glove. It's like I had to go cut 15 yards to save up the money to do it. So work was not a problem. Yeah. But I just, I just had that desire to, to work and to earn and to, to you know, make my way. Yeah. Well, and that's, there was such clarity, uh, with, you know, where you, your passion was, it was evident that you had passion for what you were doing, that you were finding joy in it and that God had you right where he wanted you teaching that large Sunday school class. And also you had the platform of your business and uh, tremendous stewardship model. So let's, let's pick it up from there. At some point, love to hear, you know, some of the, you know, the highs, uh, the good, bad, and the ugly as you're going through what struggles you ran into. But, you know, let's, let's move on from, so you were there 25 years. Is that right? Correct. Yeah. Yeah. So pick us up from there, starting like early nineties. So, so pick us up from there. Where, where uh, God take you next? After the, after the 25 years with Scott McRae? Yeah. Well, yeah. What did the transition from there look like and, you know, the next, next stage of your career? Yeah. So, uh, I, as, um, tip my mentor, we, he had, he had two boys that, that we had, um, talked a long time about how to get them into business and wanted me to work with them, train them, which I fully, I always said I was Joseph and Potiphar's house. You know, I, this was their family business. My job was to run it and run it well. And so as we started this 10 year program, tip came down with ALS and from diagnosis to death was a little over two years. So the 10 year program really had to be amended, uh, just because with manufacturers involved, getting them to the point where they could be qualified as dealer principals was the main goal. So we scrapped the idea of having them go out and run dealerships. And I just brought them to corporate and worked with them directly and said, Hey, we want to teach you how to, you don't need to know how to run dealership. You need to hire a guy that can run one and fire one that can't. And they were dynamite. They're like, they're, they're just such a great relationship. They're, they're like brothers to me. And I just had a, a great time working with them. And it came a point where I went to them and said, Hey, you guys are ready to take over this company. So, you know, let's, let's have that discussion. And at that point they weren't quite ready yet. Uh, but about a year and a half later, they said, hey, we think we're ready to talk about that. So we had a great discussion. You know, first thing we had to figure out was which one was going to run it and which one was going to be you know, kind of subservient. And to their credit, their their main concern was me. You know, hey, what what do you want to do? I said, no, let's let's figure out what's right for you guys. This is your family business. Uh, and we did. And they came back and said, okay, we figured out structure how we want to do. Uh, now let's talk about, you know, talk about you. You know, we'd like you to stay and some type of role and kind of be there. If something happens, we can, you know, we can lean into your expertise. And so I, I started counseling with uh, four or five of my close friends, four that are, you know, really, really close and one that just knew the family really well. And 
all five of them said, it's time for you to move on. I think this is a, a door that is is moving you to a next direction. And my instinct and my heart was, hey, I've been there 25 years and mm. it was it was a comfortable place, you know, and it was really a difficult decision as I went through that. But ultimately, I think I, I came to the conclusion. I said, hey, I think it's time for me to move on. I said, I, I just think that you guys are owed the right to do this. I'm, I'll be here. You don't have to put me on the payroll for me to help you, you know. If something goes haywire, call me. We'll we'll work through it together. But if I don't do this now, and I was I was forty four at the time, I said if I don't do this now, the likelihood of me doing it is probably going to go go down. And I'm too young to sit in an office and do crossword puzzles all day. I want to I want to grow and I want to go and I want to. And for me to do that with you in the chair is not right for you, not right for the company, and and it's it's going to frustrate me to do anything else uh, to sit and and just do nothing because I'm I'm just too young. From my perspective, to to get to that point, yet. Yeah. So that was a big, very gracious. That was a big decision for you. Huge. It was huge. Yeah, and I'm telling you, I, I still remember the Sunday I went into church when we were there, and I'm just like, okay, Lord, you know, this is this is totally foreign territory. I'm just I'm, I'm used to coming to work for this company and being the, you know, being being the Joseph. You know, I I, I work for them. I'm I'm there. I'm and there to create value for this family, of which I get a small, you know, a percentage, but. Ultimately, I, I just had that servant's mindset that I'm going to serve this family. So it was. It was a really a big decision. So I, my brother was working in the company. So we worked out a, an arrangement where I could take a portion of my equity out in cash. The other portion was in a dealership, the Mazda store they had, and the used car lot they had. And then my brother and a couple others, we, we just kind of agreed and was a very cordial they were gracious through the whole process and, you know, it was, it was, it was great. You know, we, so I came out and went on my own uh, with a little Mazda store and a used car operation in 2016. That's awesome. That's awesome. So with, just to just spend a minute or two more on, because there's a lot of us that go, go through those huge decisions. Uh, what gave you the clarity to, to be able to have that confidence to move forward? You know, it was, it wasn't cl- total clarity. It was it was yeah. listening to the to men I trusted, mm-hmm. and they could look at it. They could look at it from outside, where I was in the middle of it, and yeah. listen to my wife. You know, my wife Kara. She's a sounding board, and she's very supportive. And I I figured at the very that there was no way she would say go out on your own because it was a comfortable, easy, and she was like, I just feel like you, you can do this and you should do this. So. Wow. I don't know that I ever really had clarity. And even, even a few years in, it was, you still are like, you know, as a business guys, we're always like Ben Franklin, what's, should I have stayed? What would have happened if I'd have stayed? And now looking back, you know, whatever it's been six, seven years, I clearly see God's hand in it. Cause I've been able to, to God just opened so many more doors that I would never have been able to do had I stayed and, and they flourished. They've done great as well. We've got a great relationship. So, I mean, it's, it, it has been really a. I get clarity by looking back. I, yeah. didn't, I didn't have a lot of clarity in the middle of it because I was. It, it was. It was not a clear. The, the clear, easy thing to do was stay. Yeah. Um, the hard thing to do was to make the make the leap. But now looking back, there's certainly clarity. Yeah. I'm really looking forward to hearing the next chapter of kind of when you're out on your own. But one thing I think is really unique about your story, as I listen to it, is the relation. I like your description of uh, Joseph 
running Potiphar's house. And I think that's a really delicate situation to have a family business. It's a big one too, frankly. Okay. A big family business where an outsider's been running it. And then you're sort of the bridge to the next generation. You know, we deal with a lot of business owners in transition in our business. We haven't seen many go that well, to be honest with you. Okay. What do you think the keys were? I mean, we're getting a sense of your humility, but what do you think the keys were on your side and on their side that made that work? I always try to approach it just like I talked about that I'm, yeah. I'm the steward here. I got to do what's right for this family. And you, you talk about some, some big challenges and failures back in 08. You know, I was running this company and, and Tip was, was there still in, still in good health, but, you know, starting to decline some. And, you know, when the crash hit, we, we had the distinct pleasure of having a hundred million dollars in debt on real estate that appraised for 40 million. And we wow. had a whopping six, we had a whopping six million banks in the, the bucks in the bank. And luckily, we owed that money to one bank, not to 10 banks. So it was, um, you know, I, I was, again, and they don't teach you this in business school. They don't have any of this and what, yeah. what to do. I'm 60 so all million I, upside down. They're asking for 60 and I've got six. Okay, right. now what? Yeah. So, so all I know to do in those situations is just go, go be honest and tell the truth. Exactly. So, so I went. I went and sat at the time with SunTrust Bank and said, "Hey, here's where we're at. You know, you know, we're 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 going to do our best not to trip any covenants. So you guys have a couple of here's here's my expense reduction plan. We're going to cut X million over the next two to three years. I'm going to get us out of this debt. We're going to we're going to find the right time. We're going to sell off some dealerships to to pay it down and pay it off. Or Plan B is I'll bring all the keys here and you can try to operate eight car dealerships." Take write your sixty million bucks off, and they chose Plan A. You know they they didn't want right. to. Take that. They don't they don't want to be in the uh, car business. No, no, but but you know God again, God blessed through that. Those were some and and through that, I mean, I went literally in. in there was a twenty four month period. I didn't take a nickel out of the company. I made nothing. People were asking now, how do how do owners you know what, what risk do you really have? Well, two years I didn't take a penny out. In fact, I mortgaged our house to put enough capital back in the company. To, to not trip a covenant because the family was like, yeah, we're not, we're not at a point. We're going to do that right now. We got, you know, we got a lot of health issues. We're just not going to do that. So that conversation was fun with my wife, right? She's, she's a trusting one. She goes, you're going to do what? You're going to put a mortgage <laughs> on the house and give it, give it to the company. I said, Here, here's how this works, honey. If this company goes under, it doesn't matter what we have. We're under too. So this is kind of the, let's move all the chips to the table. And at least I know I can, I can impact the expenses and you know, to her credit, she was like, okay, I trust you, but you know, this is our house you're talking about. I'm like, I got it. I got it. Wow. So we, we were able to really get through some tense times within about three and a half, four years. We had that hundred million paid almost completely off. We had sold two franchises in Tampa and took that cash and paid, paid down. I just, I can remember we had an outside director who was a, a very wise man. I can remember sitting in board meetings in the early 2000s you know, I'm blowing and going, we're growing the company, we're adding stores. And he's like, David, what's plan B? And I'm like, well, Mr. Winston, what do you mean plan B? He goes, if all this goes kaputs, what's your plan B? I'm like, well, you pick up the phone, you call AutoNation and they give me a check for a boatload of money and we all go home. He's like, well, what if they're not writing checks? And I said, come on, Mr. Winston, there's never going to be a day where they're not buying. 
sure enough, oh eight, oh nine, that that day was there. And I those those words kept resonating in my head that you idiot, you should have had a plan B. But I don't think even plan B would have covered what happened in oh eight, oh nine. So yeah, there were some some nip and tuck moments, but graciously God got us through it and and you know, we put the company back on strong financial uh footing and by the time we'd left it was a it was again, you know, pretty much zero debt and and uh tons of free cash flow and just able to really really make impact for that family for you know the next hopefully the next four generations. And they're and they're doing beautifully with it as well. They're they're really doing an amazing job running it and growing it and and just being being great a great CEO, great chairman. They're they're just those two guys dynamite. That's awesome. Well, that's a that's a whole other level of commitment to that family to put your own equity in to keep that from tripping those covenants. Hey, so let's let's uh, fast forward to your next to the last six years. Tell us about the last six years. Is that uh, that that? And and by the way, I do think we need to make a movie. Oh, <laughs> uh, that's a great way to lose a bunch of money making a movie on me. <laughs> So yeah, I came out in 2016, started the business in that late, that fourth quarter and, and the Mazda store just really took off the Mazda brand. I'll give my brother, Dan, a ton of credit. When I was, you know, deciding whether to leave, I had a chance to potentially buy another one of the stores there that was a more well-known, attractive brand, but it cost more. And and he was just adamant, listen, Mazda is going to be a, you, you can buy a rights in the right side of town. I think the brand's going to explode. And, you know, we fought like cats and dogs growing up. And, and I, you know, for, for, by the Lord's grace, I actually listened. I said, okay, uh, we're, we're going to go with this plan and we're going to at least have it paid for. We'll be going in debt free. And, and, you know, it can't be too bad if it's, if it's debt free. And he was just 100% right. You know, the, the brand just exploded and we've done just amazing. You know, God's just graced us with uh, just amazing business and profits. And so in 2000, late 17, I bought a Ford store that was up in just north of Brunswick. So we added that one. And then through all this, he and I, again, we're brothers. He's my, he's my partner, but there can only be one person running it. And I grew up running a company, running a day to day. And that's all I knew. And so it was a really tough time for me to learn how to be an owner and, and not be an operator. And I was frustrating him. He was frustrating me. And it got to a point where it was just like, okay, do I just sell this whole thing and move on? And and it, it just, again, a lot of wise counsel around me just said, that, you know, either you're going to have to let him do his job and hold him accountable to it, or, you know, you got to get rid of him and you go do the job. And so we we had really good discussions and, and I just said, okay, it's yours. You know, I'll get out of your way. I'll stop coming to the stores because he would come in and do his thing and I go right behind him and like, oh, where are we, why are we doing that? Oh, wow. okay. Well, have you thought about it? It, it just, it, I would never want to be managed that way. And he was, you know, he was frustrated. I'm sure. Thank the Lord. He didn't quit in, uh, in, in all that process. But, um, so I, I kind of, and he, he was great counsel too. He's like, Hey, go, go pour yourself in it. Start, start another company, go do something else. And I'm like, what else am I going to do? I don't know anything about anything else. This is what I have. And throughout that time I had been kind of a silent angel investor and a, um, a couple of guys that are, one of the guys was my son's nine-year-old baseball coach and they wanted to start a new little Brightway insurance agency. And so they couldn't get funding and financing. So I just pledged some collateral and got them in business and we started learning the, the agency business. And 
about 2018, they were up for renewal and, and they said, hey, we, we'd like to look at maybe rolling up a bunch of these Brightway franchises. So I started digging in and looking at it, looking at the model, and it didn't take me long to figure out that, you know, that the winners here were the people that own Brightway, not the agency owners. It was not a lot of, you know, meat left on the bone after you paid them, and it was just, it didn't make sense. So we studied the independent agency model and, and literally and started interviewing and looking in and uh, said, hey, let's, you know, let's do this. I was going to take both of them. And the, the one that's the most conservative, like, I'm in, I'll do it. And the one that's the most aggressive, says, I think I'll just stay with Brightway and do this. And it, and it worked out great. So in 2019, we started a little company, uh, called it 925 Partners for Loop 925. Uh, wow. what, is it, what does it profit a man to gain the whole world and lose himself? So it certainly has biblical uh, truth, but also insurance truth. You know, what good's all this stuff if you end up losing it and, and can't, can't cover it? So, and God is just, I mean, beyond my wildest imagination, grown, grown this company. So we're up to almost 40 employees now and, and, uh, we're in six different states. We do commercial insurance, uh, personal lines, uh, employee benefits, bonds, any, any type of insurance. We have a premium finance company. So we, we, we found a commercial lines partner. So there's three of us that are partners in the business and just have just had a blast watching these guys grow and, and go. I'm, I'm not an insurance agent. I don't have any license. Uh, I just try to stay out of the way, give them long-term, you know, vision and, and, you know, how, how do we grow it right? Do we acquire, do we organic growth? Just listen and learn. So it's, it's been a blast. Uh, and then as a, another part of that, we, you know, there's a lot of other little different companies we've been involved with. One is I became a minority uh, owner in a, a local uh, gentleman, Mandy Kaufman's got the, the double-A hockey franchise here, the Jacksonville Ice. So hey. I, wow. I have a minority minority interest there and a minority interest in the Savannah franchise. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's awesome. So you're in six states. That That is some pretty serious growth over a, a short period of time. Well, it sounds really good to say you're in six states, but what it are, they're agents working out of either their house or a PO box we have there, but we've just found good people and we hire them and we put them on and let them, let them write. And so we're, um, we don't have like a definite growth plan. We have to be in this, if we find good people, we, we put them on and we're really looking to build out. We just hired a chief operating officer for that company, spent a, you know, a good four or five months with Carter Ball when they helped us from an executive search standpoint, landed, we feel like a, a dynamite individual to help us, you know, kind of keep the lid on things while we look for other ways to grow. So we're, we're just, um, it's just exciting to watch it grow. The, the business model is, you know, the more I learned about the insurance agency business, the more I, you know, said, why don't I start here? This would, this would be a whole lot better than dealerships if I just started here. I got, you know, again, the principles you learn in the dealership world, uh, they work everywhere. And, and so, and God's sovereignty, it all it all works as it should. Yeah. Well, I, I know we got to uh, round round the corner here, but I'm going to turn it back to Jeff. But any other uh, challenges along the way that you learn from that that you want to share with our our listeners? I know a lot of times our listeners learn as much from the challenges that our guests have as as anything else. Sure. I mean, we've we've had our share. You know, we lost our. We have five kids and. Uh, I guess it's 2015. We lost, I had a stillborn and before our youngest was born. So a very tough time, you know, just a difficult uh, time for Kara and I. 
but God was faithful. We grew closer as a couple, as a family, and and you know we have a we we'll call our rainbow baby Caleb's our youngest, and he keeps us on our toes. So I go from a six year old to a twenty almost twenty one year old. So we've got a wow. fourteen year span. So uh, and then and then just most recently, these are these are you know there's plenty of business struggles, and you know I could I could write I could do a movie on all the things I messed up in business. That 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 I could do. There's a lot me too. Of yeah, me too. Yeah. But from a personal standpoint, our oldest son is a baseball player at Jacksonville University, and and uh, last fall, just was not feeling great, was playing through it, and it got to a point where he had just such bad headache and pressure behind his eye. We we took him to Mayo. He had been three or four different places, and nobody could figure out what was wrong. He still was coming back at Mayo uh, Clinic, in the emergency room, called Kara. Kara was there with him because I thought he was going to get up, you know, some kind of antibiotics for flu and he'd be he'd be good to go but he had an abscess outside of his brain so they had to do an emergency craniotomy on our 20 year old son and literally on the spot where i went in there they took him to surgery within an hour and and um you know he, he got through that part and then 30 days later same symptoms came back again and we went back in because i asked the doctors at the time hey is this we got this as a done. He goes, yeah, we've seen five cases like this. Nobody under the age of six. It's very rare, but we fixed it. It's done. And we went back and they had, there was a trace amount that was left in his brain that they had to go open up the same area 30 days later, went in and got it. And was just an amazing, you know, amazing time of spiritual growth, but also realizing are there things that you hold on to that are, that are more important than, than the Lord. And, the Lord clearly showed me that, you know, while I was praying that uh, he would do like Isaac and give him back, that uh, if if he chose to take him, that, you know, he would give me the grace to deal with it because it, it you know, I, but I had to tell tell God, hey, you're, you're right. This is, you've got him. You love him more than I do. So he came through the second surgery and then within 15 days, similar symptoms came back. And I was just like, Lord, what wow. are we doing? And when we went back the third time, they said, well, this is, there's nothing wrong in his head. This is, we took him off of the steroids and it's the brain just swelling and it's normal. So they've got him back on steroids and he's made, you know, pretty much a full recovery. Still dealing with some sinus, ibis and some, some of those things that's going on, but, but just a really trying time. And, wow. and I, you know, try to tell people, no matter what you do in business, it all comes to a crashing halt when you got a kid laying on an operating table with it brain opened up you know it just none of it matters it, it all this is great and god's you know i enjoy doing business but ultimately god is um god is at the, in the center of all of it and for me it was you know i was more concerned with his baseball career and him and making sure he got what he needed than i was okay lord i'm gonna pour this into you and let you take care of him you know it was a, a really crystallizing moment for for us as a family for me personally as well wow Thanks for sharing that. That's that's a that's a tough journey, but uh, wow. So, so David, as we kind of get toward the end of this thing, I'm thinking about these turns that you've had, where you're like feeling called into ministry, and then God's like, "No, actually, you're called into you are called into ministry, but it's in the business world, not in the church uh, directly, uh, full time." And then you know this sort of changing of stewarding another family's business to kind of creating your own family business, if you will. And, and then, you know, these health challenges, uh, in, in your family that, you know, reset you again. And, uh, 
So one thing we haven't really talked about, how do you think about that sort of, you know, when you, especially with your kids, it's so like other centeredness, right? So when you think about your platform in business, how do you think about helping others? So this is sort of the generous business owner podcast. So how do you think about using your platform to serve others? Well, I think it's, to me, the money is always just the way to keep score because I, I want to, I want to be a good steward of what God's given to me. So I've, I've, um, I mean, a few years ago, we started a fund at the National Christian Foundation and that's helped us kind of center our, what we want to do with our gifts. I, I heard Peter Greer speak from Hope uh, about a year and a half ago, I guess, and was just amazed at their business ministry slash business model. So I just, I don't have really that, okay, we're going to give to these five things. I, I really want to, I want to make a difference where we do give and our companies all give back as well. You know, our companies will give to hope, uh, both the, the insurance agency and the dealerships and, and mainly because I want our people to know we're not doing this to, you know, to, you know, we have a goal to be number one, the number one profit dealer for Mazda in the country. I, I don't want to be the number one profit dealer so I can go buy a bigger boat or a fourth home or I want to, because they know we're given, we're given, you know, a certain percentage of everything we make back and the more impact when we could eradicate human trafficking in Jacksonville if we made enough, enough money. You know, we're looking at things that, how do we really make a difference and become stewards of what God's given us? Because at the end, it's all his, you know, and, and we're going to be, I want to be judged for how I, how I used it, how I distributed it. And so I don't, I don't really look at it in, you know, I, I love creating value. I love buying things and, and, you know, growing them and fixing them and creating value and, and then either keeping that business and, and farming it or, or monetizing it and, and, you know, plowing it back in. I love my that. goal was all. My goal has always been to to be open to what God what God brings our way. Yeah, I mean, I think that very very much illustrated in your story of just clearly you didn't map this whole thing out. I mean, you'd probably be a major league manager by now <laughs> if it was up to you. Uh, so following God's prompting and and sometimes uh, you know uh, doing things that you didn't even think of uh, as He opens those doors. So. As we wrap up, you know, we always like to just ask, there's somebody running on the treadmill uh, or riding in their car listening to this, and they're going, I mean, I don't have uh, all that maybe financial success yet, but, you know, they're listening to this podcast for a reason, the generous business owner. They're kind of called into business. You know, maybe they're, maybe they're looking at running some other family's business, or maybe they're being called out of that into their own thing, some of these transitions you've had. But we just try to leave them with one practical tip. What 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 comes to your mind when you think about maybe a, a slightly younger business person kind of coming up behind you that wants to be a better steward in business and use their platform? What's a practical tip they might employ tomorrow? I think, you know, from, from my perspective, A, do it for the right person, right? If you're doing it for you, it, it tends to, to glorify God then whatever it is, he'll, he'll make the best of it. And I've always tried to be where my feet are. You know, I can walk into Scott McGregor at 19 years old. You know, I'm going to run this place one day. I, hey, who, who, who's the record holder for who sold the most cars in this place? What's the record? I want to beat that. And then when it came to finance, it was, you know, who's got the all-time record for finance? And I just tried to, 
be excellent where I was. And I think if if people can do that, you know, business owners are looking for people to do that all the time. You know, I, I used to have a, a manager that told me, man, you're you're sitting here wondering how you get to the next level. The guy that owns this place is laying in his bed figuring out how do I get a guy that can do what you can do? And you just have to keep doing it, you know, do to do with excellence. And we have three core values in our company, integrity, service, and excellence. We want to do everything with full integrity all the time. We want to serve one another. We want to serve our clients. We want to serve the Lord. And then we want to be excellent. And excellent means that we're going to compete. You know, we're going to try to be the best Mazda dealer in the country. We're going to be the best insurance agency in the country um, because I think that's what God calls us to. So I, it, for advice, you know, listen, it's, it's, if you go in with, hey, this is my goal. I want to be the owner of this company. I think that's probably a, can sidetrack people from just saying, hey, I'm coming in as a, you know, a new lawyer. I don't want to own the law firm. I want to be the best lawyer in this practice or whatever, whatever field they may be in. Just be, be excellent where you're at. And, and those people stand out. You know, the verse that comes to mind is seek first the kingdom and all these things will be added. I keep picturing, I keep picturing you on Tuesday, walking into your boss's office. And I, I'm sure you didn't even have like some big agenda, but you just kept showing up, having a stewardship mindset, and he kept promoting you. You know what I mean? And you got the CEO job without having to ask for it and hammer him on it. You just start, showed up, do the job uh, that you're given with excellence. And I, and I think uh, I love that. It's, it sounds simple, but it's, but it's not that common. Yeah. We can't end the podcast without a shout out to, to Doug at Christian Family Chapel and, and the relationship they have with integrity, service, excellence. But yeah, yep. Give your shout out to, to CFC. You know, Christian Family Chapel has is, is, uh, been such a, a wonderful place for us to worship. And Doug is just an amazing teacher, amazing friend. There's just very few people gifted like he is to take God's Word and, and apply it practically. So we've made uh, great connections there, and the church has really opened our eyes in a lot of different areas and pushed us where we need to be pushed and, and um, you know, shown us so much grace. When we were going through that issue with our son, I mean, you talk about a waiting room full of church members. They were there and still are there. You know, they just still check in. So we just love the, the connection there, the family. And it's, I say, you know, it's leadership, right? Doug, Doug is a tremendous leader. And that, that group that the elders, they, they, they all fall, you know, with that, him setting the pace. So uh, I've said before, Doug, Doug could run any company in America, um, but I'm glad God called him to be a pastor at Christian God Chapel because we certainly love uh, listening and serving with him. Amen. Amen. And, and, and for those listening, Doug is Jeff's brother. So anyway, this is a uh, 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 bringing yeah, it full so circle. Bringing uh, so. it full circle. Well, David, thank you. And yeah, thank you so much for your sacrificial generosity to so many ministries, but especially to Hope International, the way you've impacted so many lives around the world, uh, physically, spiritually, emotionally, and socially. And uh, you you see the power of that, and and you you see that integrity, service, excellence happening in your business, in the ministry you're a part of there in Jacksonville, and in so many other ministries. And thank you for following God's call. Thank you for uh, taking that energy the uh almost in a little bit way defiance that 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 kid that picked up this books and said i'm out of here out of that classroom 
but took that that drive and that energy and used it for for God's glory. So thank thank you. Well, it's a blessing to be to be able to come alongside and and you know I I'm just amazed that God I, you early on as a business guy you're like hey what can I start and then it, pretty quickly like there's a lot of really good gifted people that have already started something what, then it became what can I come alongside of and so we're we're just blessed to have hope and. You know, we we have three or four or five others we're really connected with, and just see God work and what what can be done. You know, just the power of people's giftedness in different areas, and so we're we we just love watching what God can do, and, and certainly hope has been a, a massive win um, for poor all over the world, and and to see how the gospel ends up there through teaching them how to earn a living first, and and showing them. The love of Christ, I think it's just a dynamic and uh, uh, amazing strategy. So well done to you for, for putting that uh, on paper and getting it, getting it off the ground. Well, praise God. Uh, you are partnering with a lot of people around the world and restoring dignity and excellence in their lives. So thank you for uh, being a part of our conversation today. All right. Uh, glad to do it. Thank you guys for the invitation. Uh, thanks, Jeff, again for joining us. And David. I'll add my thanks for being with us. Great to be with you guys, and thanks, and God bless. All right. Thanks, everybody, for joining us on this week's Generous Business Owner Podcast. Uh, Leave us your rating and reviews, and uh, send it to a friend, and we'll see you next week. Thanks for listening to the Generous Business Owner Podcast with Jeff Thomas, Alan Barnhart, and Jeff Rutt. Make sure to follow the podcast so you don't miss an episode. You can find the guest contact information in the show notes. Stay tuned for the next episode.